This is the Essential Podcast from S&P Global. My name is Nathan Hunt. To remind our listeners, we're doing something a little different this week on the podcast. This episode is a collaboration with Sarah Week Conversations. We're back today at the Sarah Week Conference in Houston for day two. Once again today, it's been a bit of a whirlwind. There is no perfect way to summarize a day at Sarah Week. Some people call it the Oscars of energy, but that's misleading. At the Oscars, they only give out one award at a time. At Sarah Week, there are multiple panels and presentations happening every half hour. Sessions started at 7 a.m. this morning, and 12 hours later, sessions are still in progress. If there was a theme for today, it would have to be funding. Panel after panel reiterated that there simply wasn't enough capital going to energy sources and supply. Upstream or downstream drilling or infrastructure, there isn't enough money to meet our future energy needs. Cost of capital for the investment dollars that do exist is far too high. Some panelists indicated that the lack of funding was a reflection of ESG mandates for investors. A related observation was that investors seemed to view oil as a dying market and were withholding funding in order to avoid holding stranded assets. Darren Woods, ExxonMobil chairman and CEO, in conversation with S&P Global's Dan Jurgen, urged the industry to stay focused on investment. He insisted that the energy industry must continue to invest in traditional sources of energy and invest in emissions reduction. Many representatives of oil and gas companies raised a similar concern. All expressed commitment to the energy transition, but what they didn't see was an appropriate awareness of the continued importance that oil and gas will play. We are lacking energy literacy, suggested John Hess, CEO of the Hess Corporation, There actually is a structural supply deficit, both for new energy and for oil and gas. Ryan Lance, CEO of ConocoPhillips, was even more direct in his remarks. He said, and I quote, even in the most aggressive energy transition scenarios, we will need oil and gas for the foreseeable future and go through it in a more balanced manner. But environmentalists want this whole industry to go away immediately, end quote. Adam Krzyzewski, chief economist at PKN, expressed the challenge another way, talking about sourcing new supply in order to guarantee the resiliency and stability of the markets. He said, quote, security in volumes demands diversification. Markets work when you have globally excessive supply. It is perhaps not surprising that executives at oil and gas companies would insist on the continued importance of oil and gas. But many of the executives went out of their way to stress that traditional energy sources must be maintained alongside developing renewable sources. The commitment to the energy transition is pervasive. Vicki Holub, president and chief executive officer of shale pioneer Oxy, discussed their success with commercializing carbon capture and sequestration in a panel on innovation she shared with Adam Silipsky, the CEO of AWS. She said, quote, 
Sometimes innovation is driven by the need to make a change. Ambassador Khazar Ibrahim of Azerbaijan stressed the need to think beyond the current energy sources, despite his country's success as an exporter of natural gas. Renewables, he said, provide flexibility and export capacity. Darren Woods of ExxonMobil made a similar point. Globally, he said, we need to stay focused on reducing emissions and not focus on reducing oil and gas. But the capital remains problematic for the industry. David Rubenstein, chairman and founder of the Carlyle Group, summed it up nicely in his conversation with Dan Jurgen. He said, and I quote, Investors have a difficult attitude to the energy sector. It's hard to raise money for renewable energy, but at the same time, there is no doubt we are dependent on carbon energy, but no one wants to invest in it either. One of the highlights of the day was a panel led by Roger Diwan of S&B Global entitled The Role of Energy Companies in Capitalizing Transition. Here, a group of energy company CFOs and investors discussed the challenge of funding, the cost of capital, and the future of energy markets with rare precision and insight. Which leads us to our question of the day. Once again, Essential Podcast producer Patrick Maroney was out in the Agora asking conference attendees this question. Where should we be investing today to moderate energy prices over the long term? Let's see what people had to say. Skills of the people. Hydrogen pipelines. Pipeline infrastructure. Given, of course, my association, nuclear power is, is an obvious choice for lowering uh, baseload energy costs uh, across the industry for both uh, electricity, for, in- for you know, heat, as well as uh, providing power for transportation. I believe the future of energy is distributed, and so investing into more distributed energy resources that can reduce upcoming needed uh, investments in transmission and distribution infrastructure and provide energy locally to communities instead will allow for a more dramatic reduction in electricity costs. Yeah, I think one of the unifying features of a lot of the really interesting decarbonization technology that's talked about at Sierra Agora is that it all increases the gross input of energy required, right? So whether it's DAC, whether it's CCS, it requires more energy. So from a purely price perspective, I think I'd have to say natural gas is the area to invest and lean into to moderate energy prices. Of course, that doesn't achieve all of the carbon emissions goals that are that are stated, but it does help moderate versus coal burning, for example. So I'd say natural gas uh, from a price-only standpoint. I think especially as we're seeing with the market response to the IRA, hydrogen production and increasing the amount of green hydrogen that we have available is critical. The question is, how are we able to transport it? Is it just such a small molecule? I believe all companies should take a balanced approach to how um, they are using, as renewables are very expensive right now. And so in a, in a balanced approach to their portfolio, that will help reduce costs. Uh, I believe that there's one sector that's been completely underinvested for quite a while, and that's the nuclear sector. Um, it is safe, it is reliable, and um, it is clean, completely clean. I think the most important element to moderate prices in the future is to increase the um, amount of renewables 
on the grid. And to do that, we need to uh, add things like high voltage direct current connections that will increase the efficiency of the transfer of that power and, and moderate the variabilities that we see. Um, I think that also goes with adding baseload sources to the grid rather than stay focused on these highly variable renewables. In, uh, on uh, methane leakage mitigation, it's one of the biggest problems for uh, global warning and green gas houses emissions and it's certainly a priority for the industry. We should invest in point source carbon capture and storage to ensure that we have reliable, affordable, dispatchable energy for the future. The simple answer is everything, uh, but the pragmatic answer is pick that one technology or that one innovation that you can make meaningful impact with today because it's what we do today that is going to help us get to where we need to be in the future. So that's it. Another day of the Essential Podcast live at Sarah Week. This was Tuesday, March 7th. Tune in again tomorrow for more news from Sarah Week. Tomorrow we'll be focusing on the Agora and all the new technologies and opportunities being shared. Sarah Week is the world's premier energy event. Stream selected sessions at sarahweek.com forward slash promo forward slash CW23-Live. Engage with us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Learn more about Sarah Week at sarahweek.com. Thank you for listening.